0: Good morning everyone. It's really good to see you all here today. Thank you very much for coming out to Dundonald Elam Church and uh, also for joining us online. My name is Pip and it is a, a privilege to be able to share God's word with you now. Just a a quick announcement before we start, which is to say that in February next year, we're hoping that Ellie Carter, who is a student from Merlin's Bible Institute in England, might be coming here to do a six-week placement to get involved in the life and work and ministry of the church here. But we need accommodation for Ellie over those six weeks. And if you feel that you might be able to help with that, come along and see me afterwards, and that would be brilliant. Today we're continuing to look at this most important of chapters, Acts 7. If you want to look it up in your Bibles now, just for the benefit of any visitors online or here this morning, we'll just share a little bit of context. We've studied over the last eight Sundays this super chapter of Scripture. It's an incredible sermon given by Stephen, who was a man not long converted but he was full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. He was full of wisdom, full of power, and full of faith. And boy did he need all of that full reliance he had upon God. When he was thrust into this hostile environment where in front of the most biblically astute scholars of the land he had to answer charges of blasphemy. And this defense that we've been exitating together over this last while was this Incredible march through the Old Testament to show how God was working out his plans and his purposes through the Jewish people and how those purposes found their ultimate fulfilment in through the work of Jesus Christ and how their spiritual history led to him. But in today's reading we see a, a big change in Stephen's language. So if you have your Bible open there at Acts seven, we're going to read together from verse fifty one. Act seven, verse fifty-one. This is the inspired and the authoritative word of God. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute, and they killed those who foretold the coming of the Just One, of whom you now? have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at Stephen with their teeth. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. Wow. This calm measured message that we've been looking together over these weeks suddenly changed in tone and direction up until this stage Stephen's language had been inclusive he had spoken about our father Abraham he had spoken about our forefathers Moses who passed the law down to us but here the language changed from being our to you as Stephen indicted these Jewish leaders He indicted them for rejecting God's law and for not keeping the law. It's not for not keeping God's law. It's not clear why Stephen abruptly changed his tone. Maybe he could see that that these leaders were not listening to him. Maybe there were some interruptions of shouts. Maybe he could see people were getting impatient with his long answer. Or maybe this was intimidating because some had already gone to pick up stones. We do not know but what Stephen said is really interesting and there's an awful lot that that we can be challenged from today through it and I want to share the challenge it brings by looking at three of the values of this church. We recently studied all five of our values which is on the screen under the Donald Lilium Church every Sunday but we cannot come back to them enough because they're fundamentally important to this church and to where we're going as a fellowship. So Here's our three points. If you and I want to live out this good news of Jesus, we need to be open good news people. We need to be courageous good news people. And we need to be faithful good news people. Firstly, let's think about this. We need to be open good news people. The Sanhedrin were certainly not open. Or interested in what Stephen was saying to them. Not interested at all. He called them stiff-necked. Now if you have ever woken up in the morning with a stiff neck, you'll know just how inflexible you feel. You maybe want to bend and move and do the things you normally can do, but you cannot... But the picture behind this word is of a stubborn desire that does not want to bend or move. In fact, the, the picture is of an animal. It's of an oxen that is resistant, stubbornly resistant to being yoked or bridled. And Stephen called the Sanhedrin stiff-necked. It was as good as him am saying this, you are inflexible people. You're not willing to bend or to move or to change your position on God's good news. You're not willing to take God's yoke upon you to submit to him in the way he wants you to and to his big picture plan. And ultimately, you're not willing to submit to his Messiah. They were a selfish, self-willed and stubborn people. That phrase, stiff-necked, was one the Sanhedrin would have been very familiar with. It was often used in the Old Testament as a a charge against Jews for the rebellion. And that is how strong a word this was, which Stephen used. Do you remember in Exodus 52 when the Israelites were were at the bottom of the mountain and and, and Moses had gone up to receive the commandments from God? And and whilst he was away, they they built a, a golden calf so that they could worship God said this, you are a stiff necked people. You're rebellious and you're not willing to change. And actually, most of the Old Testament references to God's people being stiff necked are in relation to their rebellion. So, what Stephen is doing here is he's turning the tables. He's turning the tables upon those who are accusing him of blasphemy against Moses and others to say, basically, You think you're on Moses' side. Actually, you are the rebellious ones. You are the ones who are unwilling to change and to take God's yoke upon yourselves. He also said you are uncircumcised in your ears and in your heart. Incredible language. He's using the language of covenant that was so precious to these men. Circumcision, Of course, it was that sign that they were God's people, a sign of submission to God and, and his law. But as time went on, the sign became more important to these people than what it actually resented. The men were trusting in circumcision as a sign of God's favor rather than God's grace. But God never was and he never has been interested in dead ritualism and religion. He's always been interested in the heart. So he called them uncircumcised. It was as good as saying, you're like the pagan nations that you guys resent. Moses, again, who they claimed that Stephen was uh, blaspheming, said in Deuteronomy 10, 16, circumcise your hearts. Similar language used by the Apostle Paul. Circumcise your hearts and be stiff-necked no longer. But their trust was in ritualism. They had the mark of the covenant, but had lost the heart of it. They become resistant to God, to his truth. So much so that they were uncircumcised in their ears. Again, Stephen uses this Old Testament language to say you're not willing to hear what God is wanting to say to you. You're unwilling to be moved by this message. These men were no more interested in submitting to an a uneducated carpenter's son. What a picture of unbelief. Over the centuries, these men had taken God's plan, God's law, God's good news, and they'd made it their own. All they'd done was just box God in and his good news and made it exclusive to themselves. All these men, they thought they knew it all. They thought they were the guardians of truth. And instead of truth setting them free, all it did was their version of it bound them in ritualism and in legalism. Stephen used hard language, but you know why? I really reckon Stephen wanted these men to change. However, their stiff-necked defiance, they had closed their hearts. They had stopped their ears. They had resisted the Holy Spirit and they had missed the heart of the gospel and so determined were they to have it their own way that when the just one God himself came, they killed him. They were unbending opponents of the gospel. And do you know there are salutary lessons here for each and every one of us. Oh, Pip, you know, we would never add to the gospel. We would never create a, a box for the good news of Jesus Christ that, that binds instead of sets free. Really? As I have traveled the length and breadth of this country preaching... I've discovered a wonderful ability in the church to make good news, legalistic, ritualistic, and exclusive. And to do this with a stubborn resistance to change. I've seen in the church an ability to create a box for the gospel and wrap it with an evangelical bow. And it's nothing more than a gospel of works. It's not about grace. But we would never add to the gospel. We would never make it about works instead of grace, but Pip will tell you this. See, if you want to be a Christian, you have to be at church twice every Sunday. You have to be at the prayer meeting. You have to wear this type of attire and you have to use the King James Version of the Bible. Anything else, that can't be called Christian. You have to do this if you're a Christian or to be saved. Oh, well, Pip, at least we're not like the Sanhedrin. We're never going to make this gospel exclusive to ourselves. But, Pip, you can't be a Christian and go to the Catholic Church. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. At least we're not like those Jewish forefathers and passing traditions down the generations. Oh, no, we would never pass traditions down the generations in Northern Ireland and, and do it in God's name. Well, we would never force our ways on other people Or other cultures My last two visits to Kenya I was working with a Presbyterian church in East Africa I went into churches and saw Kenyan people Singing out of the Presbyterian hymnal And ministers in blinding heat And robes and the only time they found freedom was when they set the Presbyterian hymnal down and sang their own beautiful songs in their own beautiful way. But we would never force our ways of doing things on other people. Let me say this, there are salutary lessons here because in the church across this land, there are those who stubbornly resist change. There are those who are hardened in their hearts and their ears. Many can sit in church every Sunday and not listen. And even Stephen preaching with the face of an angel wouldn't change them. We need to remain open, open to God and find freedom in His truth and not be bound by our version of it. God never changes, but His methods certainly do. God was the one who lived in a tent, then He lived in a temple, and now today He lives in our hearts. And we must remain open, good news people, because the gospel belongs to God. It does not belong to us. It's not ours. We must never box this wonderful truth in because it is for all people. The cross, it passionately spans across all of society. No one is left out. Jesus has shattered the walls of exclusion. Race, gender, culture, and and social status, they are no barrier to the gospel. And we must take it to the world because Jesus is the Savior who wants to bring good news to every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And we must protect ourselves from becoming cynical, from becoming obstinate and closed, and stay open to God in this great mission. How do we do that? Well, the Sanhedrin, they resisted the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for to resist there implies active resistance. We must not resist, but be like Stephen and full of the Holy Spirit. Truth is what sets us free. And he is the one who will lead us. Into all truth, and being under his yoke, being under the control of the Spirit, will keep us in a place of humility that always recognizes God is bigger than our theology or the box that we often try to put him in. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will save you and me from becoming saved and stuck in our narrow truth people who are open to change, a people who are open to God's life-giving mission and a people who will go on an adventure together where we share this good news with the world. We need to be open, good news people. But we also need to be courageous, good news people. Like Stephen, he was acutely aware of the consequences of the charges of blasphemy against him. He could probably see the stones that people had maybe started to already lift to kill him with. If Stephen had not been full of the Holy Spirit, this was surely an environment that would have been ripe for his own compromise. Surely it would have been. This was a rubber hitting the road, defining moment for this man. It Stephen took an uncompromising approach, And stand for the just one It cost him his life Was Stephen's language too harsh? Was it too strong? I do not think so There are moments when truth needs to be told boldly Jesus certainly did that on on many occasions But as I said I think Stephen wanted to see these men change Because he loved them How do I know that? Well the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit and evidence of us bearing the fruit of the Spirit of being filled with the Spirit is bearing his fruit and the first fruit is what? It's love. Stephen told truth boldly but in love. However the resistance was deadly. They were so closed that in the name of religion they killed an innocent man who dared to tell truth. Truth. Actually, Jewish opposition to the gospel burst forth from the stoning of Stephen with roaring fury. Chapter 8 starts by saying at that time there was a great persecution broke out against the the church at Samaria. And they were scattered, scattered through all regions of Judea and Samaria. So what can we maybe learn today from this persecution? What can it teach us about courage? Well, firstly, we learn that persecution uh, was not a new thing. Stephen said in verse 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. Second Chronicles 36 verse 16. Look it up when you get home because it tells us there how God sent warnings to his people through his messengers. But the people mocked the messengers and they despised God's words. Ahab and Jezebel, they tried to kill Elijah. Jeremiah was put on trial for prophesying against Judah. In Jeremiah 26, a, a man called Urja prophesied in the name of God and King Jehoiakim killed him. 2 Chronicles 24, Zechariah spoke God's truth and power. And King Joash stoned him. And traditions tell us that many of the key prophets from the Old Testament... And horrendous deaths. Persecution was not new. But secondly, we learn here that you and I can expect opposition. Persecution was not new, but it always had a common catalyst, which was this God's people declaring truth. That was always the common catalyst. It was the same for Stephen, and it's the same for many people today. Truth divides. The gospel always evokes a response. And it's not always positive. In verse 54 it says that these men were cut to the heart. Interesting. That in Acts chapter 2. When Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost. It says that those listening were cut to the heart. But they repented. In Acts 7 when men were cut to the heart. They stoned and killed Stephen. Truth divides And the gospel always evokes a response and this is so important for us to understand and grasp hold of because truth is at the heart of our faith. Postmodern thought says that there is no absolute truth. Truth is relative. In other words, you work out what's true for you, I'll work out what's true for me, but don't you dare try to impinge your opinion upon me because there is no absolute. Sounds like an absolute statement in itself, doesn't it? Truth for you and me, it's not about philosophy or debate. Truth for us is encapsulated in a beautiful person who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And when Stephen spoke truth about Jesus Christ, it sealed his death warrant, as it still does for many, sadly, across the world today. You and I, we can expect opposition. We don't go looking for it. But we can expect it because truth divides. It always does. Did you know that the the Greek word for witness is martyria? It's where we get the word martyr from. Surely there's something in that which clearly lets us see that there's always going to be opposition to our faithful witness. And in Act 7, much of the opposition we can expect will come from the church. It will come from religious people. As it was for Stephen. Friendly fire. Oh, it can be so devastating. Verse 54 says they gnashed at Stephen with their teeth. The fury, the venom that the truth of Jesus evoked in these men made them snarl like a pack of wild dogs. I remember being invited to, to preach to a group of men in a certain setting. And I, you're always told as a preacher, don't base the response of your, or the impact of your preaching upon the faces of those you're preaching to. It's a good job this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, but I can tell you this. All I could see in there... Eyes and in their faces as I preached Christ to them was pure, raw anger. Pure, raw anger. Some religious and some non religious people, they're going to hate you and me for what God is doing here in this church and what He's going to do. Don't be surprised by it. Jesus said the world's going to hate you. Because of me. But we must courageously stand upon truth and lovingly declare the gospel of Jesus. Because thirdly, what we learn here is that persecution is never going to stop the gospel. It's never going to stop the gospel. Stephen was the catalyst to take persecution to a new level, but he was also the catalyst that to see the growth, growth of the church go to a new level as well. Because as the church scattered to flee persecution it led to worldwide growth of the church. The more people tried to stop the church, the more it grew. And it's still the same today. Why? Because Jesus has said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in Act 7, Stephen narrates this amazing plan of God the whole way through the Old Testament. And God down the ages has been and is still working out his plan. And he will accomplish all things. However, we can expect opposition. It's not going to stop the gospel. But we need to be courageous, good news people. How? By not resisting the Holy Spirit but like Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit. Because when we are full, we will move forward together as a fellowship, not blindly or ignorantly in terms of this journey's cost, but we will move forward together. Because in our fullness, we will know the unity of the spirit, which is theological fact in Jesus Christ. Whether we like one another, we are theologically united in Christ. But when we're all full of the spirit, we will want to work that unity out every day. When opposition comes our way, friends, as it will, we need each other. We can find strength and we can find courage to stand together from the unity that we have in the spirit. We must be courageous good news people. And what an honor it is for us as a leadership team to go on this journey with you. What a beautiful time we had this morning around God's table as a family. That is what we are. And we must keep together. We must need each other. And be courageous good news people. And finally, today we need to be faithful good news people. Now, what does that mean? Well, I reckon it means that you and I, we never give up on living for Jesus or sharing the truth that he has and is with the lost. Stephen was so faithful, he never gave up, he was faithful. the end. Now why should you and I why should we be faithful good news people? Well firstly because the gospel works and it makes a difference still today this good news is having a profound life changing impact upon countless millions (laughs) across the world and you and I must never underestimate the power that comes from an effective and faithful Christian witness We might not ever see the full impact of what God is doing through our faithful witness. But we can be sure of this. He is at work. And he's doing something in and through us. When Stephen was martyred, the persecution broke out to scatter the church. You could have been forgiven for thinking at that moment all had gone wrong. It all seemed to have gone wrong, but God was in control. He was working out His purposes. He always knows the big picture, and He was working through this man's faithfulness powerfully. Stephen actually is proof that you, to you and to me, that the impact of our lives has got nothing to do with the length of them, or has got nothing to do with how long we've been a Christian. This man was only recently converted. His ministry was short, yet it was the trigger that that shot the church into the world. That moment might have seemed like failure, but this was God powerfully using a man's faithfulness because that's all God looks for from you and me, our faithfulness. And we should be faithful to the end because this gospel works and it makes a difference. And secondly, we should never give up and be faithful to the end. Why? Because God never gives up on anyone. He loves all people, even the stiff-necked. Do you remember when Jesus looked over Jerusalem? In Matthew 23, what was it he said? Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and sends those who are sent and stones those sent to. her. very similar language to what Stephen was using here, wasn't it? But listen, Jesus said, how long I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. What a beautiful revelation of how Jesus loves everyone, even the stiff-necked, rebellious people who were in Jerusalem. Actually, Israel's history is one of God's resolute faithfulness to Israel. He never gave up on him, and he never will Give up on his people in Israel. He has always raised up prophets. He has always sent messengers to call his people to repentance, even though they stubbornly resisted his call. Why did he do it? Because he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. Why does he do it? Because he's a faithful God. He doesn't want anyone to perish, he's patient. What a wonderful God! And we should never give up on anyone. And thirdly, we should never give up and be faithful to the end because God can save anyone. Believe that. Nobody is beyond His grace, even the stiff-necked. Yes, there's always going to be opposition to the gospel. But one thing that we can be sure of is this. In the midst of indifference, there is always treasure. In the midst of indifference, there is always treasure treasure in the midst of gnashing teeth. And the tragedy of Stephen's death was a man holding coats who would passionately persecute the church, but eventually become its greatest missionary, the Apostle Paul. In the midst of indifference, there is always treasure. And that's what we must seek after with every bit of passion in us, because God can save anyone. Friend, please never give up on that lost loved one that you have. Or that prodigal in your family who you're so burdened for and you wonder, is there any hope? Never ever give up on them. Or that friend who is the ardent atheist. Or someone whose lifestyle is completely or seems opposed to the gospel. You know what we need to do? We need to keep praying. We need to keep loving those people. And we need to keep doing life with them because God can save anyone. His truth can set free even the most stiff-necked of people like the Apostle Paul. How do we remain faithful to this good news? By not resisting, but being full of the Holy Spirit. Because when you and I are filled with God, we will know his heart for the lost, a passion that should inspire us to be faithful right to the end. And the more we journey, don't we realize this, the more we understand how dependent we are on God because there's nothing that we can do to create an anxious thought in anybody's heart. There's nothing we can do to change that stiff-necked person in ourselves. It is only the Holy Spirit and our dependence on Him because He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can tame the stiff necked rebel. He's the only one who can circumcise the heart of stone and open deaf ears. We need to be faithful, good news people. What a journey. God has called us on together, friends. What we're seeing happen in this church in these days is only the start. Of what we believe God is going to do in the adventure that we have ahead. What hope and love can be found in the gospel, but God's word challenges us today as we seek to be good news people in a gathered and also scattered setting every week to be open to God because He wants to use us. Never box him in with a narrow and closed view of truth, or of our own version of it. Be courageous. And how we stand together, knowing that people will stand against us and vilify us, but that nothing's going to hinder the gospel. We're challenged to be faithful, to never give up on those we're burdened for, because God can save to the uttermost. Worship team are going to join me on the stage. And as I do, I was reminded when I was preparing for this of the, the great evangelist D.L. Moody. It's wonderful, I remember reading the story of his life. And, and this, he was challenged with these words, friends. You say, words that say, this world, let them sink into your heart and soul, your mind. This world has yet to see what God will do with a man who is wholly given to him. Something rose up in Moody's life when he heard that. Something stirred his soul and his heart. And he said, by the grace of God, I want to be that man. And that uneducated man, if you've ever read his his story, you'll see pictures of his letters. He couldn't spell. he He couldn't read very well. But he reached millions for Christ. He reached millions for Christ because he said, I want to be that man. What would it look like for 300 plus people here today who wholly give themselves over to the gospel, who say, God, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. We want to be that people. I tell you, we'd reach the world. We'd reach the world for him if only we let him take control of our lives. Let's all stand and let's close our eyes together. Just as we take a few minutes to respond to what God might have been saying to us. See this journey. Gospel journey. It's one that we're privileged to be part of. But hey it's going to pass quickly. And we need to make the most of our time. We need to make the most of our season. Stephen finished well. Open courageous and faithful that's how I want to finish my race what about you this week along with many others I attended the funeral of a man God privileged me to have as a spiritual father Norman Linus I thank God for him when I visited Norman two weeks ago he was very ill yet he was still championing me to go on with God and to never give up. Norman finished his race on earth well. Open, courageous and faithful. It's how I want to finish. What about you? I really believe God wants to use this message to motivate and mobilize us all for the journey that is ahead How do we stay open, courageous, and faithful, be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's another way of us saying, Lord, take control of my life. Let me come under your yoke. Maybe it's been a long time since you've prayed that prayer. God, fill me, fill my life. Maybe today you want to pray the prayer with me again. I pray it every day of my life. And if you would like to pray that prayer of recommitment to God and say, God, please, for this journey ahead, take control of every bit of my body, of my mind and my soul. Maybe you want to just hold your hands out in front of you. And as you do that, why not say this prayer with me? Say it after me, out loud, with passion and with belief in your heart. Say this, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for bringing me to this church. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your Son. God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh with your Spirit. Take control of my life. Rise up within me, God. Help me to become less that you become more. May my cup today be full and running over. Help me to be open to you, God. Give me the courage for the race ahead. And help me to be faithful. And why not take a minute with hands out in front of us to pray and think just into yourself of those you are deeply burdened for. That stiff-necked one who you wonder after 20, 30, 40 years of prayer, are they even changing? God is able. Lift them in your heart before him because he cares, he is God, and he is able to save any. Lift them before God today, just in your heart. father thank you that you hear the cries of our heart thank you that you're able this day and lord we commit our time our prayers all into your hands and lord may we go from here today to be those people you want us to be may you give us the courage even for those people we've thought of to do something this week to make contact to show our love show your love in a wonderful way